I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam I am. Schools in Virginia's Loudoun County, removing Dr. Seuss books, citing, quote, strong racial undertones. Calling good things bad. What is cancel culture? Well, look, let me explain this to you. It's the totality of these changing rules designed in order to box in our speech and ultimately separate all of us. Joined in unity all across the land. We've seen cancel culture. It was called ISIS. And all of a sudden, it is showing up here. Inflation soared uh, to its highest level in over a decade. It spiked to 4.2% compared to where we were a year ago. Israel's missile defense systems lighting up the sky as they try to intercept incoming Hamas rockets. I started this poem with green eggs and ham, but really, it's about the great I am. You know, when you go and look in Ecclesiastes, you know, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. And George Santayana had an incredible quote in 1928 where he said, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. When I talk about being connected, that's one of the great things about this church. When you come here, you, you get this incredible sense and you get this incredible power. You know that this church is connected into our Heavenly Father. And therefore, you have that power that flows through you. And so what I want to do in keeping with this theme about the great disconnect that Pastor Chris has us started on, I want to talk about a time of great connection, but then also a disconnection. Because i got to tell you, as I tell this story, I think some of you all will see the parallel of history and how it's playing out for us here right now in these United States of America. So if you do have your Bibles, <clears throat> we're going to turn over to Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 14. And there it says, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Mark that word bondage in your heads for a minute. And who did these great things in our sight and preserved us through all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through whose midst we passed. Skip down to verse 19. Then Joshua said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will, not forgive, he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve other gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done good to you. The people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua once again said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves, that you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, put away the foreign gods, which are in your midst, 
and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God, and we will obey his voice. Now, you, you think about this is Joshua's farewell address. Just the same as George Washington stood up, and he gave his farewell address. Just the same as Ronald Reagan, the great leader, gave his farewell address. We always have presidents and leaders giving their farewell address. This is one of the greatest farewell addresses that we could ever read. Because remember what happened in Joshua in chapter 1, and I shared that when I was here in January, how Joshua was chosen after Moses passed away, and God told him three times, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. The Lord thy God shall never leave you nor forsake you. Faithful you are, and all your promises are yes and amen. That's what we just got finished singing. And he told them, this book of the law, meditate upon it day and night. Do not turn from, from the right or to the left. You'll have success and prosperity wherever you go. I mean, you think about how God was with the children of Israel. They didn't even need guns and spears. They didn't need anything. They just walked around Jericho a few times, and the walls came crumbling down, and they went in and took Jericho. That's the power that you have when you're connected. You know, it's, it's like you get that cord and you put it in that socket and then the lights come on and you're juiced up. That's what we are. That's what we're called to be as the body of Christ. We're called to be connected. We're, we're supposed to have all our bars and all the little, you know, lines all lit up. Because then, therefore, if we are that way, then, as Christ said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And if you are connected in with his power source, you're going to draw people unto him. But what happens when we unplug? Let's turn over to Judges, chapter 2, starting at verse 10. And it says, all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose a generation after them, who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed themselves down to them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. Verse 14. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had spoken and as the Lord had sworn to them, so that they were severely distressed. It doesn't say in here how many generations it was. But think about it. We read in that farewell address where all the people stood up and said, we're witnesses to you and to ourselves that we will serve the Lord. We will not serve foreign gods. We will bow down to the Lord. And then we flip over in the next book, and they're going a completely different direction. See, the thing is that because they didn't tell the story from generation to generation to generation to generation, slowly but surely, you get unplugged. You get disconnected. Now, I can tell you if, you, if you read this in here where it says, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, I think you can replace Israel 
with America. You think about how blessed this nation is. This nation was just 13 little teeny tiny colonies that took on the greatest power that the world knew at that time. And they established a nation that was based upon an individual having his rights that come from a creator God. Not from a government, not from a king, not from a queen, but from the creator God. But slowly but surely, and oh, by the way, America was founded on July the 4th, 1776, not this 1619 mess, okay? So make sure you understand that. And make sure you're talking to your children about that. And making sure that no person that calls themselves a teacher is indoctrinating your kid to believe that. Because the exact same thing will happen to us as it happened here, because all of a sudden, can't pray in school. Can't have Ten Commandments out. All of a sudden, the Supreme Court comes out and says, well, you know, it's, it's okay. It's a right to murder a baby inside the womb. And slowly but surely, oh, did y'all know that one of the gods of the Baals was a god named Moloch, the god of child sacrifice? What did I say Solomon said? There's nothing new under the sun. What did Santayana say? Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. It's all right there. The great connect and then the great disconnect. And I'm telling you, when you look at the fact that the United States of America, 245 years, look at what has happened from the generation that asked for divine providence in establishing the United States of America in the Declaration of Independence to where we are today, where even on the National Day of Prayer, God was not mentioned in the White House proclamation one time. Here we are. Let me share this little quote with you to kind of explain it. And this quote comes from an 18th century Scottish political philosopher, Alexander Fraser Teitler. Read these words. Break out your little cell phone. Take a picture of it. Because Fraser Teitler in the 1700s said this, and it's coming to fruition right here as we are today. He said, a democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until voters discover that they can vote themselves, largesse from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates promising the most benefits from the public treasury. Kind of like if you stay at home and don't work, we'll send you some money. From that moment on, the result is that a democracy always collapses over loose fiscal policy, followed by a dictatorship. And look at the cycle. The average age of the world's greatest civilizations, the greatest nation that the world has ever known, the United States of America, July the 4th, 1776, 245 years of age, we're kind of on the other side. But look at this sequence. Remember I said, remember the word bondage? See, we go from bondage to spiritual faith. That's what Joshua was trying to get the children of Israel to understand. The Lord your God had delivered you out of bondage. It's because of your spiritual faith. It's because you understood how faithful you are. But then all of a sudden, you know, spiritual faith brings about great courage. So the 13 little independent colonies can take on the greatest nation that the world, the greatest power that the world knew at that time. And from that great courage, there comes liberty. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, the, spirit, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But it all starts with spiritual faith. 
And then from liberty, we get abundance. Look at the resources that we have here. And how could it be that a state like Texas, with all the great energy resources that it has, we went dark in February. And so from abundance, you get selfishness. Selfishness, you go to apathy. Ask yourselves right now, where are we in that cycle in the United States of America? Because maybe if someone had stopped and said to the children of Israel, sometime between Joshua chapter 24 and Judges chapter 2, hey man, hold on, time out. Where are we in this cycle? Because we have completely forgotten the witness that we made to the Lord when Joshua gave us his farewell. I will tell you where we are. We're in that apathy to dependence. And where do you end up? Right back into bondage. So what I need you all to realize is that every single one of you needs to pick up that power cable. You got to do your part wherever you are. And our pastors are the head of that power cable. And we need good, strong pastors. Remember the old Black Robe Regiment from the Revolutionary War? Those pastors who came out of the pulpit and went out there to fight to make sure because they understood spiritual faith, they understood courage, they understood liberty, and they understood the blessings that we would have because of that liberty. We all got to pick up that power cable and get it plugged back in and be connected. If we pull out of the power source, we're going to go back into the cycle of bondage. That's the importance of us being connected. That's the beauty of Sojourn Church. Because when you walk in here, you get powered up, baby. God bless you. Really good, Colonel. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, maybe you'll <laughs> let me come back. Will you? Remember, you can't leave. You're stuck. You're stuck with us. Oh, this is like Hotel California. Yeah, you can't. Once you check in, you can never leave. Never leave. Okay, we have some questions that, that we want to ask, but I want to get my questions in first because okay. I have a captive audience and my questions. And so, can I sit? You can sit. You can sit. You can sit. Okay. I'm gonna sit too. Um, there are a lot of people that want to know, and you shared this first service, but a lot of people want to know, like your spiritual heritage, your family, a little bit about who you are, your sure. disciplines, all the things that that come with the colonel, so. Well, um, I had two great parents, and I said plural, not singular. And that's one of the important things we have to understand. There has been a sincere desire to undermine the two-parent household in the United States of America, especially in the black community. Um, I was born in 1961 in a blacks-only hospital. But I had two great parents, and back then, black community, 77% almost, had two parents in the household. My dad was a soldier in World War II, United States Army, a segregated army. My mom served 25 years with the 6th Marine Corps District Headquarters out of Atlanta, Georgia. My older brother was a Marine in Vietnam. And at the age of 15, my dad looked at me and said, you will be the first officer in our family. And so everything about me comes from two great parents that taught me discipline, and they also taught me the love of God. Because every Sunday morning, you woke up, you did your chores. Yes, we used to do chores back sometimes. And then... You had breakfast with your family. Remember that? Breakfast with your family. And then you went out to Sunday school. Mm, remember that? 
okay? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Okay, and that's what we did. You can go to my house right now over in Garland. You can still find my children's Bible that my mother and father bought me because that Bible will get passed on to my daughters and to their children and hopefully on so that we don't see that disconnect that we talked about from Joshua to Judges. So my parents set me on this course. And remember what it says in Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they grow old, they shall not depart from it. My parents, my mommy and daddy were not my friend. I think you can uh, understand yes, that. Yes, sir. Okay? My dad my mom would tell you they were benevolent dictators. Okay? So I don't know why all of a sudden we started listening to Dr. Spock and all these other folks and they started trying to get us to, to, to be friends with our kids and negotiate and all that type of stuff. Y'all remember back in the day, if you saw a kid throw a tantrum in the grocery store? Mm. Lights out, baby. <laughs> and it only took me one time to do that, okay? But now, we try to negotiate with kids in the grocery store aisle. I'm saying you got to love your kids, but you got to discipline your kids. And they will appreciate it as they grow older. That's right. That's good. That's good advice. That's good word for parents. Good for us. So good. So I'm going to ask you a couple of other questions, um, which you already spoke to. Here's one. College students, what's the best advice on taking control of our education while experiencing intensely liberal education? I think it is so important that the parents, again, get involved with what's going on in our schools, colleges, universities, high school, whatever. Grapevine High School has a Marxist club. I didn't say marksmanship. I said a Marxist club. Now, what happened with the parents in Grapevine High School that they would allow a Marxist club to be established in their school? Now, is there a Christian club? I don't know, but I guarantee you it would be really probably hard to try to get that established. So what I want you to do is to talk to your child, being in college, university, high school, middle school, whatever. Ask them what is going on. And you need to stand up and be a voice for your child. Mm -hmm. We need to do better in supporting our young people that are on these college and university campuses. They're up against their peers. They're up against the administration. They're up against the professors. And they feel very alone. And that's why I love it to, you know, when I get the chance to go on these college and university campuses. You want to really see a funny joke. Uh, it's a funny little clip. When I went to Northwestern University, they asked me to come speak. Northwestern, they're pretty smart kids go to Northwestern, right? It costs a lot of money. So I go to Northwestern University to talk about the Iranian nuclear agreement. That's pretty good for a boy from Georgia. He used to jump out of airplanes, right? The very first question from a young lady, and you can go to YouTube and see it. She steps up and asks me, do you identify as black? I remember that. Okay, so your parents are paying all of this money, and you don't understand. You, you, I mean, you, I don't know. I mean, maybe I look. <laughs> but how is it that parents disconnected from the child so they could ask such an insidious and really ignorant question? And so what I want us to do is start supporting our kids on these college and university campuses. Uh, a couple years ago at SMU, they actually told the students there, the uh, young conservatives and young Republicans, they could not put out 9-11 crosses in the main square because it might trigger some of the other students. It might be offensive to the, uh, some of the other students. And, you know, Colonel, what can you do? Very simple. I put a letter out to the president of SMU. And guess what happened? They moved those crosses back onto the main part of that campus. Okay? 
So you need to be the voice. You need to encourage our young people. But again, you've got to teach them to be strong and of good courage. Their number one verse should be Joshua 1, 9. Okay? All right, here's, a, here's one, another one. Can you speak to, because I've talked to our people about, and it's funny, I was, at a, I was in Maine in Boston this past week. I was speaking at a radio station in a, in a church in Maine, and a lady, well, I was walking into a bakery to get uh, some maple squares. You guys don't know about that, but it's one of my favorite donuts. Uh, and a lady shouted out when she saw me, because there's not a whole lot of black people up in Maine. No, it ain't. England. I mean, when I see one, I'm It ain't like, Stephen King. It is, yeah, he's yeah, he from there, and he, yeah. <laughs> And every time I see a black person, I'm like, hey, man, it's good to see you. I love, I love you. How you doing? Are you up and up? Yeah. Real good. So they know you that I'm not. You increase their senses. I will, I'm telling you, they just like, wow, there's one in the wild, in, the, in this true, <laughs> true nature. He's, he's here. Someone get a picture. Anyway, uh, but the truth is, is that she, she yelled out, BLM, BLM, Black Lives Matter. I'm just like, well, I, lady, you don't know. I am totally against. Do you they identify as black? I identify. Yeah. <laughs> As a hungry black man, I'm yeah. hungry. I'm gonna get something to eat after this. But yeah, yeah I mean, you can identify any, any any place, anything you want to these days. I love what you said first. It was like if you'd have came home and identified as Aline instead yeah. of Allen, yeah, it'd have been interesting. At Very your house, interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dad would have had a great if conversation. If I came home and said, you. "Dad, you know what? Today, my name is Christina. I'm gonna go and yeah, it wouldn't be good at the house." No. But the truth is. I'm against that. Anybody who's against the, the um, anyone or, or organization that's against the nuclear family, against the family, because yes. we're trying to restore the family, and this critical race theory being taught in schools, I want to know, could you speak, speak to that? Well, the, the left is very smart. They took Marxism, and they gave it a label that would make people uncomfortable. Because when someone comes up and shouts, Black Lives Matter, what are you going to say? No, they don't. Or then you come back and you say, all lives matter. But what you really should say, which black lives matter? That's right. You got to put them on the defense. Because when, you, when they say which you know, black lives matter, well, then what about the 20 million that have murdered in the womb since 1973, Roe versus Wade? What about the black family? Because, again, they are against the traditional nuclear two-parent household in the black community. That has completely destroyed the black family. Look at all the problems that you see in the inner cities. It's because you don't have a dad that can sit down with his son and say, son, at the age of 15, I want you to be the first officer in the family. Or think about what's going on with the schools in the inner cities where these kids aren't getting a quality education. Oh, by the way, the teachers' unions are running the show. So what about those black lives? I have never seen BLM protests in Chicago, Detroit, Dallas, any of these urban centers where there's far more shooting right. of young black men than by white police officers. So first and foremost, we have to understand the truth, and we have to have the courage to be able to stand up against. So next time someone shouts at you, black lives matter, just simply say, which black lives matter? That's right. Okay? And to add to that, I'll say this, um, until black lives matter to black lives, to black people, because uh, um, uh, there's far more killings and shootings that happen with the black community than there are with white police officers or all whatever. This, all this talk about white supremacy, racism, and all this type of stuff, I have yet to hear anyone from Black Lives Matter go after Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Planned Parenthood was founded by a white supremacist and a racist, Margaret Sanger, who referred to blacks as undesirables and weeds. 73% of Planned Parenthood clinics are located not in rich white communities, but in black communities and minority communities. So why, hey, Miss Colors or whoever you are, and you know something else, they got three multi-million dollar properties and they call themselves Marxists? I ain't got that. So what's the deal? 
So again, do not get sucked in to this politicized organization. Stand on truth and be connected. That's good. That's a good word. Here's a question. Who is your favorite statesman from history and why? Oh, my favorite statesman from history, without a doubt, has to be George Washington. Because uh, George Washington, you think about all the power that he could have taken. I mean, you know, he was the general, then he was the president, but then he walked away from it. And that established what we want to have in America are citizen servants, citizen legislators. We want to have people that understand that leadership, if you understand Jesus Christ, it's about service and it's about sacrifice. And it's not about your interest. It's about the interest of the citizens. And so George Washington, without a doubt, I will follow that up with Abraham Lincoln when you look at how many times that man failed, but yet he still continued to go on and go on. And what he took this country through, we needed, you know, when you talk about for a time such as this, we needed someone like Abraham Lincoln. But without a doubt, George Washington established a precedent of leadership. And if we could just understand that, and get back to understand what leadership truly is, the five C's, courage, competence, commitment, conviction, character, the greatest days of America will be ahead of us. That's good. Here's another one. I'm trying to get all these questions in. Um, what do you see, because I'll, I'll, I'll follow this up, whoever sent this question, uh, I believe there's hope for America. Absolutely. I believe there's hope for Texas. So I want to ask you, what are some of the things that you see uh, hopeful for Texas and some of the things that you see in Texas that you that are like hey we're going down this road but I do I have hope I believe that God is awakening our church you said at first service mm -hmm. you can speak more about that he's awakening the body of Christ not just sojourn um, because everybody's talking about this woke culture this woke deal I, whatever that is I don't know That's people nonsense. just come up with all kind of stuff woke I'm woke uh, well, welcome That's to bad the, English, welcome to the exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm woke. Yeah. I, okay, uh, well, go go woke yourself somewhere uh, where you can be useful. Um, but the truth is, is that so, and that's just horrible for our, for our next generation, which we're trying to reach. By yeah. the way, our next generation, generational transfer, what you spoke on. But what is the hope? What do you see in Texas uh, that's going good? Some of the things that we need to work on, and then also for the nation. I, I see people that truly there is an awakening out there. And probably four or five years ago, if you said constitutional republic, people would scratch their heads. I don't know what that means. But now people are starting to study. People are starting to understand. People are starting to be informed, educated, and activated. People are getting engaged and involved. When I look at the municipal level elections that we just had in Texas uh, at the beginning of this month, the fact that, you know, 70% of people that were out there supporting critical race theory on our school boards, they, they're gone. You look at the story over in Southlake, what they did and taking uh, their, their school board back. And you look at the city council uh, races that, that people are winning. So they're starting to understand that all politics are local. Uh, and, and I think that that's the real crux of the matter is that we're not asking everybody to go out and, and be political. But we're asking you to understand government and the process because we're not teaching civics anymore. We're not teaching history anymore. So you have got to take up that mantle and do it within your homes, within your communities, to make sure that you're training up the next generation of American citizens. Now, the other thing I would challenge you to do as Texans, we've got to talk to these people that are moving in here, okay? I mean, you know, everyone's coming here. You, you saw the, the recent census data. I mean, California has lost a congressional uh, seat, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, New York, all these folks. 
Well, you see all those new tags that are coming in here to Texas. Why they're coming here? Because of the growth, the opportunity, the prosperity that we have here in Texas and a rich history that we have here in Texas. But if you're not explaining that to people, you're not conveying that to people, if you're not telling them, hey, here's the power cable. Take your place on the power cable and plug it in so that we can continue to be this strong, incredible, you know, constitutional conservative state. I don't know why anyone would move here from California and say, I want to be like California. Well, then why don't you just stay in California? I mean, I, I mean, you know, Einstein says the pure definition of insanity is to continue to do the exact same thing and think you're going to get different results. So please, in your neighborhoods, in your communities, talk to those newbies that are moving in and say, welcome to Texas. Now, honey, why are you here? <laughs> and get them to understand how special Texas is. Uh, and, and I think that you have individuals that are making that move. But when you, you know, uproot large corporations and businesses and you bring them here, a lot of those employees don't really understand those decisions that the corporation or business has made. Help them to understand that. And then invite them to come here. You know, be the church to the unchurched. Get them in here so we can disciple them. And, and really, remember what I said? What is the difference in that cycle that we set? Spiritual faith. We've got to rekindle that spiritual faith in America. That's good. Um, you know, one of the things that um, is, and I kind of happen here in Texas, where I feel like and has, is happening um, in, the, in the world is, is that when, these, when people come over, um, are they influencing us or are we influencing them? Mm -hmm. Same thing with California. Welcome, but you, you're going to play by our rules. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, you know, we're going to influence you. You're not going to come in and change the way that we think and the way that we live. So What a great parallel. Because here you had the children of Israel in the land of the Amorites and all the others. And what did Joshua talk about? Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites or the gods from across the river? Okay, so we need to have that discussion. Choose for yourselves today as you're coming into Texas, what principles and values are you going to stand upon? What principles and values are you going to rely upon? The principles and values back over there in that place where you just came from, which were failing, which is the reason why you came here. Are you going to sit and understand the principles and values that make the Lone Star State the star that illuminates the other 49? That's the thing that you've got to get people to understand. And that's your responsibility every single day. You all, each and every one of you, have a sphere of influence. And I know that you've got five friends. And probably some of those friends don't think and believe as you do. But you've got to work on them. Now, I think you can get three out of five. The other two may be stuck on stupid. That's what the drill sergeants used to call us. But you can get three out of five. But if you're not even trying to engage them, if you're not asking them to pick up the power cord and the power cable so we can stay connected and plugged in, then we're going to end up being just the same as the children of Israel were because they stopped telling the story at some point in time and then generation after generation didn't know it and then they accepted and conformed to the foreign gods of the people and the land in which they were living. You don't want to do that. What does it say in Romans 12 and 2 that we are supposed to not be conformed to, to the world? world yeah. We're supposed to be transformed, transformed by the renewing of our mind with the word of God, by the way. Um, here's a question. i got a few more questions. Uh, how prevalent is the name of Jesus on the hill? And uh, are our Christian leaders really Christian on the hill? Well, this, uh, this Bible is my member's Bible. 
uh, we had a congressional prayer caucus, and we all were given a Bible, and we would meet and have that, uh, that prayer caucus. I don't know what the membership is today, but we used to have that, and that was bipartisan. You know, there's a great portrait of George Washington. Again, that's why I love him so much. There's a great portrait of George Washington kneeling in the snow at Valley Forge. That's what established America, that Judeo-Christian faith heritage. I didn't say religion. Religion is man-made. I'm talking about a faith heritage, what we believe in. And that's what we've got to get back to. And I think that the body of Christ needs to look for people that, I'm not saying we want to have a theocracy, because I know there's some people from the other side, they're looking online, they're saying, oh, Colonel West wants a theocracy. He wants a, no, I don't. But what I do want us to do is to return back to our first principles. In Romans 13, it talks about Christians being subject to government, to the rule of law. I got it. But when it's the rule of law or spiritual faith, which do you choose? See, what Christians are supposed to be subject to is righteous governments. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down. Daniel did not bow down. He said, throw me in the lines then, bro. I'm good. Okay? Come at me, bro. Because all his promises are yes and amen. That's right. And I'm going to sit down here with the lines, and I'm going to be squared away. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pet them. And I'm going to give them little names and everything like that. Okay? And then the other guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and throw us in the oven. Hey, give me some copper tone, man, so I can work on my tan while I'm in it. Because I'm good to go. And what does the story say? They looked in there and they saw another person in the flames. See, there'll be another in the fire standing next to me. That's so good. That's and so that's good. what you all have to understand is that as it says in Isaiah, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. So what are we afraid of? Body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Let's step out on our faith principles, our first principles. Remember your very first liberty. As an organization named First Liberty, your very first liberty is the freedom of religion, not freedom from religion, not freedom of worship. It's freedom of religion. You got to stand up and you got to fight for that. Here's another question. This is from my wife. She wants to know if, um, with everything that's going on in the world, are you going to run in the morning? And while you're running, are you going to pray for our. Oh, you're so <laughs> slick. <laughs> you're so slick. Are you going to run in the morning and pray for our government as you're running and being able to run? for running purposes as you run. <laughs> Don't answer that question. Here's another one. No, nah, look, uh, look, I will, uh, you know, I owe it to people that are coming to me with, with this suggestion. And don't pray a selfish prayer. Pray that I will be obedient to his will. And, and that's the most important thing. Don't, you know, because... Uh, if God wants me to be a really good dog catcher, I'll be a really good dog catcher. But, you know, he knows the plans that he has for me. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. That's the word. And so we will see what he has planned for me. And, and I will just be in prayer myself. Right now, the most important thing for Texas is our legislative session because we've got some very important things we need to get past. Texas should not be allowing our children to be undergoing puberty blockers and hormonal therapies. And, and gender gender reassignment surgeries. We should not allow that to be happening in Texas. So please allow your voices to be heard. We got two weeks before the legislative session is over. And uh, after legislative session, I will go running. <laughs> and I'll think about running. That's right. 
what God may have me to do. Yes. And we'll be running beside you.